this joint endeavor before us. For those who were not with us last week, we began a brand new series um, called Power, Receiving God's Strength for Life. And if you didn't have the opportunity to listen to that message um, already online or last week in person, I strongly urge you to go back. It provides a solid foundation for the journey that we are taking together as a family of Shannon Oak Church. But we're going to continue uh, on this journey together this morning. And uh, I want to revisit the passage from which this series is founded in Acts chapter 1. So if you have a copy of Scripture with you this morning, flip over to Acts chapter 1 in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts of the Apostles, and uh, we're going we're gonna to read verses 4 through 8 together this morning. It says this, speaking of the resurrected Jesus Christ, it says, Once when he was eating with his disciples, he commanded them, Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift that he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? And he replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know, but... You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. I find it very interesting, as we said last week, that the, the, the group of people to which Jesus is speaking in Acts chapter 1 are the people who were very familiar with who Jesus was, what he was up to, and, and what he was trying to accomplish in his time here on the earth. And, and they had a relationship with Jesus in a very personal way. He knew them by name. He knew where they lived. He walked with them. He knew what they liked to eat, what they liked to wear. He knew like what they liked to do in their spare time. They had a personal relationship and connection to Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and beyond that, they experienced life together. They believed in him. They, they witnessed him firsthand perform powerful miracles that could only become coming from the throne of heaven to earth. And they followed him wherever he went. And Jesus is talking to this group of people. And he says, that's not enough. It's good. And in many ways, you wouldn't be where you are if it weren't for those things. But he says, it's not enough. There's more. And he offers them the promise of God's gift of the Holy Spirit that, will, that would be poured out on them and the resulting gift that would come from the presence of the Holy Spirit being poured over their lives in this season. Last week we said that in the journey for more that we must first acknowledge that 
we ourselves are inadequate. And my life, maybe it's not your life as an example, but my life is an example enough for me and for all of you to prove that we are inadequate on our own. That there is not enough of who I am, what I'm about, where I'm going, that God would look at and say, yep, that guy's got it all together. He says, that's good, but there's more. You know, in the conversation of um, understanding who these disciples are and how they arrived at this point, because we are jumping into the middle of the story in Acts chapter 1, I can't help but think about the yesterdays that they experienced together with Jesus. Yesterday, as I was thinking about that phrase, that that word over the last couple of weeks, yesterday, I've realized, is probably one of the greatest misnomers the English language possesses. And by misnomer, I mean called something when in reality it's not really what it actually is. Think about it with me just for a second. In our calendars, one, you know, the, the grids with the blocks on it that have the days and the numbers that chart out our progress throughout the calendar year, even the yesterdays are delimited with boundaries on the left of today, right? There's a line that separates yesterday on the calendar from today on the calendar. And it's almost as if yesterday, by progress along the calendar, should be, in theory, left behind. Amen? But I don't know if you have noticed, (laughs) but yesterday has a way of not stopping at its boundary, doesn't it? Can you imagine what the yesterdays of the disciples with Jesus would have been like. Yesterday is not something that is a closed door. It's not a season that has ended. It's not like a dog on a chain who has been staked out, and as he approaches the end of it, he doesn't get yanked back to say, no further can you go forward. Because reality of life has shown us over and over and over again that the yesterdays are not really yester at all. They're previous pages of today. Because there's a story that's being told and the influence and the effects of yesterday bring us to where we are today. And in Acts chapter 1, we find the resurrected Jesus Christ communicating with the ones that he has spent three years of yesterdays with, developing relationship, helping to develop their gifts and, and build some trust and some, and some maturity in them along the way so that they would be ready for that time that he's been telling them all along when he would no longer be with them. But I can't help but think about some of those yesterdays along with the yesterdays that preceded those three years with Jesus Christ. The Bible doesn't tell us a whole lot about who these disciples were along the way previous to their encounter with Jesus Christ. 
when they began to walk with him, when he called them out of their daily lives. But I, my mind likes to wonder. I don't know if anybody else likes to do that, but my mind likes to wonder and, and suspect and, 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 and kind of get a little uh, imaginatory, if you will, about how these people ended up where they are. I look at Peter. We talked a little bit about Peter last week, right? Peter, throughout the, the Gospels of the New Testament, in those three years of encounter with Jesus, Peter's pretty well an open book, right? You don't have to guess what Peter's thinking or, or what he uh, is going to do next. He's going to show you probably before anybody else wants him to, right? He was so quick to hop out of that boat when he saw Jesus walking across the water. He was so quick to grab that sword and lop that guy's ear off, right? He was so quick to, to tell his Lord and Savior that, that he would never deny him without giving any thought or consideration to the reality of what he might be encountering on the horizon. Peter was an open book. He, he loved Jesus passionately, and he just needed a little bit more depth and maturity along the way. Many of us today might consider Peter to be a little bit of a hothead <laughs> along the way. Someone who's quick to act upon their impulse or their desire. He spent a little time getting attention, and I can't help but wonder if Peter had a father who maybe denied him some of that attention in his upbringing. Some, because Peter was so quick to act and quick to, 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 to find himself in the spotlight, I can't help but, but imagine and consider that, that Peter may have had a father who, who didn't give him that attention at all, that affirmation for who he was. Didn't tell him they was proud of him along the way. And so the yesterdays of Peter, Scripture doesn't tell us those things, but I can't help but speculate the yesterdays of Peter have influenced the Peter that we read about in the New Testament. I think about uh, the disciple John, and we see all throughout the gospel account of John that John was the disciple whom Jesus loved. Now, granted, John had the privilege, the best we can tell, of, of writing that account. And so if I was writing an account of my time with Jesus, of course I'd want the whole world to know that, that Jesus loved me, right? John had this influence in his life that had brought him to that point that, that set him up for a relationship and a connection that set him apart as a follower. I think about um, Andrew, Peter's brother, right? So probably the same father figure in his life as well. But you know what? Um, Andrew doesn't stand out like Peter does in the spotlight. But what we do know about Andrew and some of these other guys is that he was previously a fisherman. Now, I love to fish, right? But there's something that probably because I love to fish that I know to be true about fishermen, just kind of at their nature, they're a little bit exaggeratory, right? They tend to stretch things a little bit along the way. And so I'm thinking for Peter, for John, for Andrew, for, for Matthew, who was the tax collector and, and probably in a very real way dealt with the struggle of greed in his life. 
The, the, the pursuit of, of bringing in financial wealth and treasure at the expense of someone else around him. And I think about how all these people and the baggage that they brought to the upper room in Acts chapter 1. And how they would have received that promise from God when he says, in just a few days, you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will receive power. What did these guys need power for? I mean, they had spent time walking with Jesus, right? Not to mention poor little Matthias that just got added to the bunch and at the end of Acts chapter 1, right, just before the Spirit fell on the day of Pentecost. Matthias literally got added to the party by casting lots. Like it was, he wasn't something that, someone that Jesus sought and pursued him and said, come follow me. This was a spot they were looking to fill. And so here he is. Think about the struggles that he was facing of rejection and feeling like he's late to the party, Right? Can you imagine what all he knew that these people were were set up to tackle and encounter in the world and the kingdom around them? And here he is just being added to their mix, thinking, well, I didn't have the privilege and the blessing of walking with Jesus yesterday in the yesterdays of my life. What do these guys need the power for in their lives? I'll never forget when my oldest son, Evan, was just starting to interact with toys and, and people around him. It was such a fun season of life. And Evan had, like most little boys do, tractors and trucks and, and Jeeps and four-wheelers and boats that you could you know, just drive around the, the floor and maybe up the walls and over the furniture and then over little sister's head and you know, all those fun things. And, and, and you, you catch him just before he went across the open seat of the toilet, right, you know, to make sure he didn't follow the contour. But, but I'll never forget when Evan was learning to play with trucks, cars, toys. One day we were sitting there in the floor and, and he was driving his little Jeep and it was pulling a trailer with a four-wheeler on it. I was like, man, I'm, yeah, that's my boy right there. <laughs> that dude's gonna grow up to be an outdoorsman. And he was pulling that thing around and he was making his best little you know, motor sound as he towed that thing around. And here I am on the other side. I've, I find this airplane out of the box and I'm grabbing it and, and I'm flying it around and I'm zooming it through the air. And, and every once in a while I'd, get, I'd make this funny little sound and get him to laugh. And, and it was just a sweet time. I'll never forget that. But more than that, what I'll never forget is there in just a minute, like most kids do, they want what daddy has because dad makes it look cool, Right? Dad made this airplane look really cool. And so Evan grabbed the airplane and he began to treat it just like his Jeep. Pushing it along the floor. Making his little motor sound. And I'll never forget when I realized the brokenness of that picture. Airplanes, by themselves, 
are forever subject to the force of gravity. There is nothing that an airplane can do on its own to get up off the ground. In fact, without the motor, they're just like a vehicle that you and I would get in after church and drive home. But somewhere along the way, someone designed an airplane with an intentionality behind it and the physics within it so that it could and would, under the right conditions, find itself overcoming the force that has held it back for so long. In other words, the the motor that they put in an airplane gives it the capacity to find the lift that it needs to fulfill its purpose for which it's been created. In other words... There's a power that has come upon this airplane that is not of itself, but it gives it the opportunity to live the life for which it's been created. There is a gravity in my life and your life that is the past. The yesterdays of our lives are threatening to hold us back, to keep us grounded in such a way that we never get the opportunity to experience the life for which we've been created. And on our own, we are powerless to overcome the gravity of our past. And each One of us has a past that threatens to hold us back. When Jesus is meeting with those disciples in the upper room, I cannot help but believe that he's looking into the hearts and the lives of each and every one of those disciples. And he's saying, there is power coming your way. And it's not just power to get you to have the capacity to fulfill what's before you. It's the power to help break you free from what's held you back up to this point. It's the power that you were created to receive to set you free from the yesterdays that have influenced you. All the hurt, all the hesitation, all the the failures, all the, 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 the competition and the comparison that you feel like you'll never measure up to. All the pain that has been inflicted upon you to say, I'll never go that direction again. All the limiting beliefs, all the inner vows... All of the hesitation of following Jesus. The comfort of building your kingdom here on earth. There's power to overcome the past. And when Jesus is telling his disciples in Acts chapter 1, I believe that not only is this dunamis power that we talked about last week, uh, a power that is, is used for performing miracles, a power that is uh, just uh, inherent to the nature of a being, um, especially when you talk about the Holy Spirit, a power that, that represents the wealth and the riches uh, of, of others beyond your capacity, the, the, uh, the power that is, is, 
equivalent to the armies of greater than one individual. This is power to overcome the past. Second Corinthians chapter five, verses 16 and 17, Paul reminds us that we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. And at one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know of him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, and a new life has begun. But the obstacles in the journey for these believers that Paul's referring to in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 is not the new life for which they've been created. The obstacle they face is learning how to overcome the old person that wants to find them. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. The old has gone and the new has come. I want to tell you this morning, Shannon Oaks Church, that if the past is holding you back, your future will never move you forward. If your past is holding you back, the life you've been created to experience will never move you forward until you break free from those things that are holding you back. So this morning, being Father's Day, I want to take a moment and I want to focus in on the fathers and grandfathers in the room this morning. Fathers and grandfathers, it is by God's design an opportunity an invitation, and a tremendous responsibility for you to steward those under your influence, the world around you, to see, receive, and perpetuate the glory of God in all of creation. And, and, and we find ourselves in 2019 in a world where the opportunity in God's plan for fatherhood is the furthest thing from our reality today. We have a need like we've never had before for fathers and grandfathers to overcome the past that has shaped them and molded them and guided them to be who they are today so that with the power that comes upon us from the Holy Spirit, we can find ourselves experiencing the leadership, the influence, the guidance in the worlds that God has entrusted to us right here, right now. And I believe that that's a power that you can't muster up in and of yourself. I believe that that is a power that no matter what kind of training, no matter what kind of schooling, no matter what kind of foundation you have in life, you can never find yourself in the capacity to align with the plan that God has for you and through you as a father and a grandfather. And so this morning, I don't know where you are, but I suspect that for every dad and every grandfather in this room this morning, I suspect that there is something in the past that is holding you back. I suspect that there is some something 
inside of you. Maybe it's a complacency. Maybe it's a, a, a reservation of, of not knowing what you don't know. Maybe it is um, the, the reality that you are, are building this comfortable life and, and you're seeing th- things come and things go and you feel like you have a pretty good control over the way things are right now in the life that you're living today. Maybe, you're, you, maybe you feel like you're having, you're, you're having a lot of fun in your family. Maybe you feel like your relationship and your opportunity with your family is, is centered more around the experiences that are memorable instead of the influences that are eternal. I guarantee you for every dad and grandfather in the room today, there is something in our past that's holding us back. Maybe it was the unshakable model of which your dad or your grandfather influenced your life. Maybe it's something that swung you the opposite end of the spectrum by saying, I will never do what that guy did to me. There's something that's keeping you from being the man, being the father, being the grandfather that God has created you to be. Can you pinpoint it? Do you know what it is? Do you feel like that it's several things that are, that are just chaining you to the yesterdays in your life and not giving you the freedom to pursue with everything you've been created the destiny that God has ordained for you? Last week we said that there is no greater prayer that we can pray than the simple three-word sentence. Holy Spirit, come. There is no more powerful prayer, nothing that can bring any greater transformation to the lives that we've been entrusted to live right here, right here, right now, than Holy Spirit, come. Because when, when the Holy Spirit shows up, everything changes. And we have everything we need for what we're about to encounter. And so dads and granddads this morning, what would happen if you took a stand this morning for your family and for the generations coming behind you? Sometimes we get so nearsighted and we think, yeah, I've just got my family. But but the reality is you are the seed of someone generations before you. What if, dads and granddads, we said, you know what, I'm not gonna make another move in my life, in my leadership, in my influence with my family until I feel the confidence and the power on the other side of me persistently uttering this prayer, Holy Spirit, come. What would happen? What would change? How would your life be different than it is right now? Maybe I'm speaking to someone who's not a dad or a granddad this morning, and you know that there's something in your life that is begging for that release, that power from upon high that does not come from you, cannot come from you, but it is, a, it is a catered to you for what's coming before you. What would change when you utter those words, Holy Spirit, come? Can I tell you something? There is no greater prayer that God wants to hear from his children than the one that says, Daddy, I need you. It's what you're saying. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. 
for this morning as we press in on this journey. Your life was made for so much more. Are you ready to receive the reality in your life today? Are you ready to receive the fullness of the life for which you've been made in your life today? You can't get there on your own. That doesn't mean you're a failure. It just means that you need a Savior. Amen? A Savior who brings so much more than just a person to die on a cross and fill a tomb for a couple of days, but a Savior who raises victoriously from the dead the thing that we cannot overcome in and of ourselves and to empower those who are ready to receive it with a spirit that brings the power of armies, of wealth and riches, a power to overcome the past that has held us back. Shannon Oaks, you have a beautiful past, a past of weathering many storms and and being persistent and, and pursuing God's plan for your life. But what would happen? What would happen if before we took another step, we just said, Holy Spirit, come, and we waited until he did?